gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And before we get started, I wanted to mention there will be no new podcast the next couple of weeks. I'll probably do an older episode, put it out there, because I'm moving. I'm going to be moving to Texas near Rachel, so excited about that. But um, we'll be finishing getting ready and traveling the next couple of weeks. So the topic that we're going to talk about today is something that it's something that comes up in our Facebook group. It's something that I've received messages on, and it's also something that Rachel has written about. She has a great little article on her blog called Wisdom Versus Folly. And really, you know, I'm going to hand it to you, and you explain specifically what we're talking about. I mean, it's interesting. When, when I started reading a lot of the books that are wit written and marketed towards women, one of the things that kept coming up was, um, you know, an appeal to Proverbs seven eleven, uh, and it was in two ways. One is to say um, that women can't or shouldn't work outside the home, and the other is to say that women uh, shouldn't be uh, loud or boisterous. Right? They shouldn't be outgoing or too outgoing. They should be, you know, more demure and quiet. So it's it's used in a couple different ways to um, particularly in to combat uh, feminist movement, feminism. Um, and so here's the verse. It says, she is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. And so they look at that verse and they say, see, it's wrong to be loud and it's wrong to leave the home. Women can't, shouldn't work outside the home. Have you run across that before, Colleen? 
Yes, I absolutely have. Even to the point, even extreme views of that, maybe you remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, where some really old quote was going around that said something like, a woman should remain home and shouldn't even be seen by much more than her own relations or something like that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I do remember that one going around. Um, which has a whole lot more in common with other cultures today. Uh, it's not a particularly common view in, in the West. You know, the question comes, what's going on in this verse? What does it really mean? What is it saying? Right? What, what should we take away from this? But before we get to that, uh, let's look at how this is being used and some examples. So in case you haven't heard it, uh, here are a couple examples. Uh, this first one is from uh, Mary Cassian's book, Girls Gone Wise in a World Gone Wild. Uh, it's been out a little over a decade. And she says, The Bible teaches that God created woman with a uniquely feminine bent for the home. Working at home is on its top 10 list of important things that older women need to teach to younger ones. It encourages young women to manage their households. It praises her who looks well to the ways of her household. The Bible casts women whose hearts are inclined away from the home in a negative light. And that that last part is what she uh, references the Proverbs 7, 11. So there are a lot of different views about women working outside the home. And there are, tend to be two extremes. Uh, one extreme says that women... Uh, can and should do anything they want without any consideration on others. That it's a, a personal opinion, and they, you know, you go girl, do whatever you want to do, right? Uh, this is more common uh, in our secular society than it is in more conservative Christian society, but it's around. And then the other extreme, of course, is that women shouldn't work outside the home or have a career. And those who hold that view would say things that women are meant to take care of the home and family, and that working outside the home leads to abandoning responsibilities, uh, goes against the created order that God established. That one is much more common in conservative Christian circles. And even though it is kind of a an extreme, you know, the hard and fast women should not ever work outside the home is, is less common. The other versions or the similar versions are, well, well, it's okay if, right? It's okay if she's putting her husband through college or seminary, then it's okay if her husband's ill or can't work right now, or it's okay if it's temporary or if it's really, really necessary that they, that she needs to work outside the home. But, right, there's, there's always that, that tension of, well, maybe it could be okay, but probably not. And, you know, in the middle, in these these views that are kind of between the two extremes, it's still considered that it's not ideal, like, that it's still spoken that it's not ideal for women to work outside the home. And you know the the arguing goes, or the argument goes that God created women to be focused on the home, and men were created to be focused on the outside world. Some point to the fact that Adam was created uh, outside the garden. Uh, in the fields where he would work, and that Eve was created inside the garden, which was, you know, the home that God had, had given and placed her and her husband in. And so that that's this idea then that, you know, when a woman works outside the home, even if it's necessary, it's still not the ideal because it's going against what God has created women to do. I was listening to a secular podcast, um, I don't know, several weeks ago, and they were talking about this 
they were, I, I think they were reading some sort of article. I don't remember exactly. But what they were talking about is that there are a lot of women who want to stay home now. This is the flip side mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. And they feel pressure to work outside the home. They're in a situation where they can stay home financially. Their husbands work, but they've worked for this career and they want to stay home, but now they feel guilty for staying home. And so this can really be, you can see kind of both extremes, even how women feel about it or are treated, you know, women, a woman feeling guilty because she needs to work outside the home or, you know, a woman that feels guilty because she wants to stay home. I had a friend that was had a career. It was actually one of my neighbors, but we, we'd become good friends. And she was going to go back to work after her baby was born. And she actually had talked to me, would you be willing to babysit and whatnot? And she came over one day with her baby, just tears streaming down. She said, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to go back to work. I can, we can handle it financially. Um, and, you know, there, and some people are in a situation where they they simply can't choose not to work. You know, there's, I love the fact that you titled your article Wisdom and Folly, because I think, as we say so many, so many times over and over and over, that a lot of these things are not black and white, and they need to be navigated with wisdom. And there's so many factors to consider. So many. And, you know, when I was in college, and, you know, I, was getting an education. I was looking forward to what I was going to do with it. But I also knew that I wanted to have a family and I was hoping to stay home and take care of my children. And always wanted to homeschool as well. And uh, I was talking with a friend and she was like, but you would be wasting your, your talents if you just stayed home. And I'm like, you know, I don't see it that way. And I didn't at the time and I still don't. Like it, it was going to take everything I have in me to do the work that I do to take care of my ham- my home and my family and educate the kids. And it has taken everything. But, um, you know, that, that is a very common idea or misconception, right? And so you have that pressure on both sides or from both sides that women are told they need to do everything and they're wasting themselves if they, they stay home. And, and, but then also told, you know, it's, it's, you're going against God's created order if you don't stay home. And it's just very, um, very challenging. And, and as you said, it's a more of an issue of wisdom. It's an issue of season of life and a situation for you and your husband and trying to decide what works best right now for y'all. And in general, I think we should, as we said before, I think we should take a step back and be slower to judge each other and in, in each other's decisions. That is very, very important. I, I think there's, I've seen this so much lately on so many topics that we discuss, so many, I won't mention specifically which ones, but our tendency to make some things black and white that scripture doesn't make black and white. Mm. Yes, that's exactly it. And that's where, you know, you're looking at the verses that are used, right? Um, With Titus 2, Paul says that older women should teach younger women to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, etc. Right. Oh, let me let me stop on you on that one to mm-hmm. say how I've seen this one misused, mm-hmm. even beyond what you're talking about. I um, saw this with some people in, in church years and years ago, and it got some influence in that church that that literally meant that the only ways 
that an older woman is to counsel or influence a younger woman is to be sensible, pure workers at home, being subject to their own husband. So they had narrowed it down to being a good wife and mom and woman at home. Yeah, I've heard the same. Oh, you've heard that one? I had only heard it once, so I didn't know. Like, you know, I got a problem with a friendship. I need to go to my husband, not to an older woman, because that's not part of that list. Right. I've heard this used uh, to say that women should not be teaching, uh, even like women's Bible study. Uh, yes. That only that the only thing that women should be doing in, is encouraging other younger women to be good wives. And that's it. The other verses, uh, you have First Timothy 5.14, where Paul encourages younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house. Um, Proverbs 31, there's several verses about women caring for their households. Um, verse 27 says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And of course, then uh, the Proverbs 7.11, she's boisterous and rebellious, her feet do not remain at home. So they take all these verses together and they say, see, here it says, workers at home, it says, keep house, look what look to the ways of the household. Feet do not remain at home. That's a bad thing. Okay, so women should not work outside the home. But, and we've talked about this, and we can link the podcast where we have, we talk about um, women working outside the home and what these all of these verses mean. Uh, looking specifically about Proverbs 7.11, what is going on in this verse, and is it really about women working outside the home? If you look at Proverbs 7, um, the passage is about an adulterous woman, as she's called, the woman of folly, um, the, a couple other names, or different translations use different headings for, for the passage. But uh, in context, it's a warning to men about avoiding sin. So this adulterous woman is tempting a man in various ways. This woman is unfaithful. She is unfaithful to her husband. She is uh, trying to draw other men away. So it's not about the fact that she's away from her home, but it's the fact that she's an unfaithful, adulterous woman. So it's not where she is so much as what she's doing. Now, the contrast in these passages, uh, if you read through the first several chapters of Proverbs, there's a there's kind of a back and forth between wisdom, which is personified as a woman, and this foolish, uh, adulterous woman, the woman of folly, uh, and what each of them are doing. If you read through the passages with wisdom, you see Proverbs 1, 8, and 9 in particular. Uh, you see wisdom being described and how she interacts with people. And then Proverbs 7, and then again in Proverbs 9, you see the adulterous or foolish woman and what she's doing. And when I was reading through this um, to try to get a better handle on what was going on in this passage and what it was in context, I noticed a lot of parallels between uh, the two women. Uh, Of course, both are personifications and really folly and wisdom are ideas or ideals or concepts, they're not people, actually, but both are being personified as women in this passage, in these passages. And 
the adulterous woman, the foolish woman, she's described as being disruptive, as rebellious. She's out in the street grabbing and kissing men. She's enticing them to sin. Um, in Proverbs 9, you see her described as foolish. She's sitting at her doorway or in the high places, calling out to those who are passing by, inviting them in, encouraging them to eat the secret bread, drink stolen water, which are uh, images of sin, sinful behavior, leading them to sin and death. But in the parallel passage, it's about wisdom. You see wisdom, she's also out in the streets. She's at the city gates, at the heights of the city, shouting, calling out to men, inviting them into the home she's built, encouraging them to eat and drink at her feast. Right? So the things themselves, the the shouting, the calling to, to men to encourage them to, to come into their home, to eat with them, to um, – to listen to their their voice, right? This these things are the same between wisdom and folly, but the difference is what wisdom is leading men to. Wisdom is leading men to knowledge and righteousness, and her goal is to help, to encourage, to build up, to strengthen, to reprove, and to counsel. So, folly is doing these things to draw men away from truth, to draw them away from righteousness and into sin and death. And wisdom is calling them to righteousness and knowledge and to the Lord. So they're doing the same things as far as the activities that they're involved in, in, in calling to people and to being out in the, in the world, um, inviting people in to feast. But the, the purpose of what they're doing and what they're calling them to is different. You know, everything that you just said, I, I'm going to point this out, is such an excellent example of taking a verse and not considering all of Scripture, not considering the context, but taking little passages of Scripture and using them to argue whatever point you're trying to make, instead of really taking the time, like what Rachel just described right there. I think it's a really an important point. Well, yeah, I mean, we need to be very careful when, we, when a verse is used like that. And, and with anything, you to be very Berean, when you're hearing something, you go, huh, it's interesting they're using this verse to, to say that. Is that what it says? And sometimes it is. Like, that's what the verse means. That's how it's being used correctly. And you go and you look and you see, and it's consistent with Scripture and with the passage and the context. And other times you go and look and you go, well, you know, that it, it's what it says, but it's not really what it's getting at there. And, you know, it's not really consistent with what the rest of Scripture says and how it's used. And, you know, it's just very important for us to be discerning and to be willing to search out uh, scripture, search the scriptures and look to see what's really going on in these passages. Right. Especially when people are making very black and white assertions that may not be black and white. Right. Um, and we've all heard those as the, we did those episodes on. Uh, put that verse back where it came from, or so help me. Right. Um, <laughs> because there is just a lot of verses that are taken out of context and used to to support any number of things. Um, so, yes, be careful. <laughs> and and be the the woman of wisdom. Look at what the scripture says. Yes, yes. Um, so when you're looking at wisdom versus folly, the wickedness of the foolish woman isn't that she is away from her home. Uh, it's not that she's working outside her home or that she's loud or even that she's influencing men. Her wickedness is that she's leading men to sin. She wants to destroy. She wants to tear down. Um, and as we said, the methods are similar, but their goals and end results are so different. Rachel, I think that, and you can tell me what you think, but I almost think that this is how women are viewed. 
mm-hmm. as this woman of folly. Yes. That a woman is out there um, because of the way that women are portrayed, that all women are out there either trying to usurp the natural authority that supposed authority that every man has over every woman or trying to get them to sin in some way that every woman secretly wants to get a man to sin sexually or in any number of ways. Yes. We're all like Eve. The wise woman doesn't exist. (laughs) Meeting what leading men into sin. That's a very common, a very old trope. Yep. Um, Yes, you're right. It's, and it's used way too often. Uh, it's used way too often to dismiss what women say and, uh, you know, the encouragement that women the, can give, that um, the insight and the pointing out of error that women offer. You know, the, yes, it's, it's very dangerous. These two women have different goals. There, there, are, there is the wise woman that um, wants to lead a man to righteousness and godliness and holiness and she's out there calling to men to listen and they're encouraged to listen to 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 seek after wisdom yes and none of us should want to be like the foolish woman no but the danger isn't in us working outside the home the danger in being the the foolish woman is to be faithless and adulterous and um to to lead people into sin but that's not an accidental thing that's those are intentional um, actions and intentional um, motivations. Um, so when I was looking at the passage, these passages, when I was reading through and kind of reading very carefully through Proverbs to see, you know, the context, I noticed that there is a verse, Proverbs 27, that is the same kind of emphasis uh, on the dangers of adultery and faithlessness in a man. And I'll read the verse. This one always gets me when you talk about I'll read the verse because it really really strikes me that this verse is not used in the same way about men. But uh, So the verse says, Proverbs 27, 8, Like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. Now, if we understand the verse in the same way that we're understanding wisdom and folly, we can recognize that this is a warning that we shouldn't um, abandon our responsibilities, that we shouldn't uh, run away from the marriage vows that we've taken with the um, the care that we're supposed to take over our families and our homes, right? This is, we have responsibilities as men and women. And if you understand it that way, this first makes sense. But if you take the other passage to say that women uh, shouldn't work outside the home because this rebellious woman, her feet don't remain at home, then what is it saying here about men? So a man who wanders from the house it's like a bird that wanders from her nest. And so does that mean men aren't supposed to, should only have jobs that center in the home? Should only work from home? Right? Well, no, we know that doesn't mean that. Uh, but that's the danger in using passages to support or promote a particular view when that's not what it's there for. And see, this is such, this is, would be almost an example of where some people are being inconsistent mm. by using. Mm-hmm these verses okay must mean a woman must stay home and not work outside the home but then you know i i just think i've missed the the stay at home dad movement that's right. that's using proverbs 27:8 right or the you know men must work only in jobs that are you know home businesses 
It's dangerous to take little portions of Proverbs and use them as absolutes. Especially the Proverbs. Like yes. It's, it's just too many times Proverbs are taken to be prescriptive, right? This is what will happen. Like, raise up a child in the way he'll go, and when yep. he's old, he will not. I was just thinking of that one. Right. Which does not mean if you raise your kids right, they'll they'll never leave the faith. Oh, your son left the faith must mean you didn't raise him in the way he should go. Yeah. Right. That's not a thing. The, no, it is not a thing, but it's used that way, right? Oh, all the time. All the time. The, the Proverbs are often descriptive, right? They're telling us about the way things are, the way things are in general, the way things are. But also, there are passages that you have to compare to at the same time and decide which one applies to the situation. Like you have the Proverbs, the first one says, you know, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own estimation. And the very next one says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, right? So you have to decide, well, which, which one situation is this? Is this a time to speak or a time not to speak? And so, with all of the Proverbs, we need to be careful about how we use them. In Proverbs 31, being mm-hmm. used to argue that a woman shouldn't work outside the home almost makes me giggle a little bit, because she's obviously going and doing stuff outside the home. Mm-hmm. She's involved in business and selling things, and the picture is painted that she is going away from her home to do some of these things. Yeah, uh, speaking of, you know, wooden uh interpretations. Uh, one of the interpretations I've heard of Proverbs 31 is that, that it's okay for women to uh, have jobs in real estate because the Proverbs 31 woman is buying and selling land. <laughs> that even, I'm sorry, that just doesn't even... <laughs> I know. You go, really? Okay. You can be in real estate, but you mm. cannot do many of these things that did not exist in Proverbs. You know, one of the things we didn't say at the beginning, but I'm going to say it now... Rachel and I are stay-at-home moms, and we're we so are. grateful that we've been able to do that. And we both have friends for various reasons that aren't. So we love being stay-at-home moms. We hoped for it, and we're able to be stay-at-home moms. I've, I, both of us have have worked from home too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, people don't know, I ran a very successful eBay business back when eBay was real huge, where I sold things for other people and did very well with it. Uh, And we both homeschooled our children and, you know, all of these things. But we, why we're addressing this is because we see out there all the time, the fact that it's a discussion in the group, the fact that I've gotten messages asking about it, is this black and white view that a woman must work, must not work outside the home. And as I've mentioned before, but I'm going to mention again in this conversation, in case somebody hasn't heard me say it before, I, I'm not sure how many countries are represented in our Facebook group, but it is a lot. Um, if you look at our podcast stats, over a hundred different countries have tuned in to listen to Theology Gals, which amazes me. Um, and women from other countries, we talked about this with the Plumline podcast gals. Mm-hmm. P- women from other countries have come to me. Like I've mentioned my friend from Ukraine, like Americans are really weird. Like what's a stay at home mom thing? Like that's not a thing by us. You know, when you look at post-Soviet countries, mm-hmm. uh, many of them are very, very, very poor, still trying to make it. And they, they have different cultural traditions. So I know families um, in a couple of post-Soviet countries that have a similar tradition where Grandma and grandpa move in to take care of the kids and mom and dad both work. That is what they do. 
Um, they're not sending their kids to childcare because they can't afford that either. But grandma and grandpa are watching the kids during the day mm-hmm. while mom and dad work because, in the words of my friend, because we want to eat and feed our family. That's why. That's our only option. Right. And that's, that is historically and around the world, the most common mindset towards work, right? Where everyone is doing what it takes to keep a roof over our heads and food on the table and clothes on our backs, whatever yes. that work is. And for us in the US, that is still true for many people. Um, in the evangelical church, it is less it is less common for people to admit that, but it is still very much a uh, reality for many people. Um, but most of us, even if we are in a position where that's not the way our lives are, we're not very many generations removed from when it was. Uh, if you start asking back about your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and what they did and how they worked, um, you know, it, for us, for me, my husband's one generation off the farm. I'm two generations off the farm with everybody working. I'm three generations. <laughs> mm-hmm. But most of us, I mean, if you go back, we're, yeah. you have some kind of history with that, either agriculture or everyone working together in a, in a family business or everyone working in different industry jobs in order to make ends meet. And that's just the way life was. Well, and that's that's one thing, too, that I've talked about. My grandparents, extremely conservative Christians, but they were born in 1920. So they're in the Depression, and the family worked together for the good of the family. My grandma, nine years old, started going to the neighbor farm to make pie crusts for the neighbor lady for their farm hands. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandma, um, when... When her first two children were little, she was a seamstress, so she was able to work inside the home. But um, when my youngest aunts um, were teenagers, they they were really struggling. And so my grandma went to go work at JCPenney in what was a sewing machine department at that point. I don't think they have sewing machines anymore. But my grandma was almost always doing something to contribute um, because that's what you did. You worked together, like Rachel said, to keep a roof over your head and food on the table. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, um, and I think I've mentioned this before too, but my mom was a missionary kid and then a single missionary in uh, Africa. She wasn't, she taught the missionary kids and worked with the women in the village. And she said to me, when we talk about this, African women would laugh in your face (laughs) if you Mm -hmm. said you have to be a stay-at-home mom because they all work together Mm-hmm. To provide a lot of times, you know, um, my mom has many pictures from missionary days there and they've got these fabrics that they like we have. You see a lot of them now, the way these fabric wrap around to where you're carrying your baby on your back mm-hmm. or your front. But she said the women are out there in the field often with a baby on their back and a couple of children trailing behind them, um, you know, harvesting and gathering water and stuff like that. But they're at home, very little. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's just because, you know, and this is the main part, you know, the main point. It's not about where you're doing the work to take care of your family. You see in Proverbs 31 that her focus is on the care of her family, right? So a godly woman can be faithful to that call to care for her family inside the home, inside the four walls that are, are our homes, but also outside our homes, right? And it's about our heart. It's about our attitude. It's not about our location. So 
As long as our focus is on serving the Lord and caring for our family, the way we do that and how we do that uh, is going to vary from person to person. And that is the most important point, because I think, you know, we in the church are not Stepford wives. Every single, you know, if you've ever seen that movie, mm-hmm. every single one of us looking the same and doing things the exact same, because we've created um, this new biblical reality we think is the only way to do things. You must stay at home. You must not work outside the home. You must homeschool your children. You must this, that. You must have do hospitality this often. You know, it. It should look like this, and this is what it. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring out yeah. your china and silver, and it's, you know, it's trying to squeeze us all into the same mold, and it's just not what Scripture shows us. And you, the other thing is, and I've seen this twice with people that I know. Life happens sometimes too. I have a friend; her husband is on disability, and she had to go back to work. He's staying home with the children, and. You know, that because life can happen, accidents, another um, family that I know, he was in a horrible accident, and kids still need to be provided for. She's got to be out there, and thankfully, the help of their church and family, they can do this, but she's got to be out there working now, because he is unable. So, life happens, and we navigate still with wisdom, however that looks. And we don't treat each other as less than, because there are different decisions and different needs. Yes. Stop this self-righteousness if you're a stay-at-home homeschooling mom as if you are a better Christian because you're doing those things. I I will link in the episode notes. I know this is a shorter episode um, for us, but I'm going to link in the episodes some other episodes that we have done on this subject, um, when including the first, I think, if you haven't read Rachel's book, I really think that's one of the best resources. Obviously, Rachel has the article. We'll link that too. But this is part of a greater discussion uh, about men and women and navigating everyday life with wisdom, working together for the good of our families, and and also single women out there too. It's mm-hmm. going to look different for you, and that is okay. You're not, as we talked about, I think it was with Elizabeth recently, where a lot of times single women feel less than because they don't have a husband or children. And there's this message that's out there almost as if, you know, God's highest calling for women is to be a mother. So they're like, wait, so can I not reach some sort of godliness because no one's asked me to marry them and I don't have children. Like you're in some holding pattern for right. until your life really takes takes off. Yeah, Then you can become godly. I think it's just part of a, a greater discussion and... Part of this discussion, as we've talked about over and over and over, is some of these messages in the church. I Actually, I'm going to mention something right here that I, I hadn't sent it to you, but there's a tool on Google. I did this a while ago. I'm going to pull up the, the screenshot. There's a tool on Google where you can look up a word or a phrase, and it mm. goes back. You've probably seen the tool. Yeah, like, I have used it. Okay. So just a while ago, I know I have a screenshot of it here. A while ago, I had looked up biblical womanhood. I looked up a whole bunch of things, but I took a screenshot here. So this is very, very, very fascinating. I forget what the tool is called, but I can put a link in the episode notes. You want to go try it yourself. But it shows from 1800 to 2019, at least when I looked it up, how many uses of a certain word or phrase in a boatload of the published books out there. 
So, 1800 until about 1982 was flatline for biblical womanhood. Not in any books. Uh, uh, rarely in any books. About 1985, it goes up a little bit until... Well, actually, I think it from... That might be about until 19... From 1980 to 2000, it goes up a little bit. And after 2000, it jumps like crazy. So think of all of those people through church history that didn't know everything they needed to know about biblical womanhood. <laughs> and I think, um, I th who was it on Twitter that said they went and looked up biblical womanhood and biblical manhood um, on sermon audio? Mm -hmm. And the far greater results on biblical womanhood than biblical manhood. So, and the point is, you know, we want to be biblical women, obviously, but we've separated what it means to be a godly man versus a godly woman. And as we've said before, the fruits of the Spirit are for all of us. Absolutely. Anyways, uh, well, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, Rachel and I will have met the next time we record. So I'm excited about that. Me too. We were supposed to meet last summer, and then a hurricane decided to ruin it. Yeah. Hopefully, Lord willing, there will not be a hurricane this early in the season. Yes. Lord willing, yes. Lord Usually, willing. that's... It's very unusual. Yes, yeah, hurricane season starts in June. Oh, it does. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have... I lived in California where we had earthquakes. Um. Uh, in the Midwest and Colorado, we have tornadoes. Well, you guys have tornadoes too, don't you? Not as often in Houston, often. but around us. Okay. And I did live in Florida, and I've been through a hurricane before, so just want to experience everything in life, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank thank you guys so much uh, for joining us again. One of the things I haven't mentioned in a while, and I want to, is if you have any questions, because we'll probably do a question and answer episode soon about the things we're talking about, especially the spiritual abuse. Uh, topics that we've been covering, feel free to email us at theologygals at gmail.com because we, we enjoy doing the question and answer episodes and I know that a lot of our audience enjoys those. So we will see you next week. <laughs>